0: tell you a story. Uh, it, was, it was Thanksgiving break when I was in college, and I came back, it was my junior year, I came back from Thanksgiving break, and I had to drive my friend Micah's car. I don't know if you've borrowed somebody's car before, I hate doing it. Because, first of all, I don't know the quirks of their car. Like, you know, sometimes your car has a weird, like, rattle or jiggle or something, and you just know that's supposed to be there. When you are driving somebody else's car. You're always like, did I ruin their car? Like, did I, did I mess up their car? I'm always afraid I'm going to wreck somebody else's car. Uh, but so far, I, I was fine. I made it all the way back to Mississippi in his car. And then I started the 600-mile journey back up to Kentucky. And I was in Nashville. Now, this is Thanksgiving break, and it's pretty chilly. It's probably sub, sub-freezing temperatures outside. When I'm driving... I chew sunflower seeds. Now, first service, we had about 60% of people who love sunflower seeds. Anybody here love sunflower seeds? Like, if you could, you'd be chewing them right now. Okay, not as many people, but in the first service, I said, we should just start that thing where you can just chew them and spit them on the floor. Turn this into a baseball dugout in here. We'll have the non-chewing section over here and the chewing section over here. and Just go to town on some sunflower seeds. I chew them when I'm driving to keep myself awake because when I drive for a while, I start to take those long blinks. You know those ones where you open your eyes and you're in a different lane? Those, those long blinks, and so I take a lot of those. So to keep myself awake, I chew sunflower seeds. Something about just cracking the shell and eating the, eating the seed in there keeps me awake. Okay, so I'm chewing sunflower seeds, driving through Nashville, 70, 75-plus miles an hour, and, and I'm going, and it's, it's pretty chilly. Now, when you're chewing sunflower seeds, you fill up a cup with shells eventually. Everybody knows this. you got to throw the shells out the window. So I roll the window down in the sub-freezing temperatures, driving 75 miles an hour, and instantly you're just like, you're freezing. And so I, I go to throw the sunflower seeds out. Do that, no problem. I bring the cup back in, and I go to roll up the window, and it rolls up about half an inch. And I remember what Micah had told me. He said, one thing about my car, man. The windows take a long time to get up if you ever roll them down. And so we're driving through Nashville, sub-freezing temperatures. The the wind is absolutely buffeting me now. And it's not just me, it's other people in the car. And so part of it's that we're freezing. Part of it's that the wind's blowing on us, but it feels like an action movie right now. And the person back's like, close the window. And I'm like, I'm trying to close the window. And we're just freezing and driving and and it's shaking. And it takes us 30 minutes to pull the window back up a half inch at a time. Because you got to do the half inch, and then whatever gizmo has to recharge, and there, you wait for it to recharge, and then another half inch. By the time we get done, our lips are blue. We're not shouting anymore. We're just frozen, and we're driving, just praying that we don't die before we... I don't know why we didn't just stop at a gas station or something, but we didn't. We just kept going in the freezing, freezing cold. Now, why don't I tell you that story? Because sometimes in our life, as we're going along, something is broken in our life. We may not realize that everything feels good, and then we do something... Or something's done to us, we say something, something is said to us, and we suddenly realize, hey, something's off. And we, we think, hey, I, you know, maybe, maybe it's, it's a brokenness in my life and I can just p- put it all back in a package, no problem, but it didn't go back in that easily. And you spend the rest of your life or the rest of the year trying to get that window back up, trying to get yourself back to a point where life makes sense and the brokenness is out and the relationship's back together. And it just takes a long time and it's really, really hard. In our lives, we have brokenness. I like the word twistedness. It just helps me realize something's off, right? A twistedness of our lives. Maybe you look at your life and you say, I don't know about brokenness and twistedness, but chaos? I've got some chaos in my life. The Bible calls this sin. Sin. Now we can use these other terms, you don't have to use the word sin, but what what it is is something broken and twisted in our lives that causes us not to live the life God wants us to live, that keeps us from living the fullness of life God designed for us to live in. When Paul wrote this letter, and he's talking about sin in the part we just read, when he wrote this letter he wrote it to a bunch of Jewish people. Now let me give you, let me sum up about 1500 years of Jewish history into 30 seconds. You ready to go on this? The people of Israel, the Jewish people, went down to Egypt, and they were captive for hundreds of years. Eventually, God freed them by his power, by his grace, by his might, and brought them out of captivity in Egypt. The world's most powerful man at the time was there. He was Pharaoh. God God defeated Pharaoh and brought them out. I want you to understand something. God's grace in saving us and freeing us and setting us free always comes before his demands on our lives. God's grace always sets us free before he says, now you should live this way. You can't live your way the right way to come to God. You have to be set free by him so then you can live for him. The people of Israel get out and they come to this mountain called Mount Sinai. And God meets with Moses. Moses was the leader of the Jewish people. God meets with him there and gives him the Ten Commandments. You guys know what I'm talking about, Ten Commandments? He breaks them the first time. Now, if God gives me something, I'm taking care of that junk. That's all I'm saying. But he breaks the Ten Commandments. God makes them make another set to get the Ten Commandments. But there were actually hundreds of laws that the people of God had. Hundreds of laws for them to obey. Did they obey them? Not very well. Over and over again, God would say, don't worship idols. Just don't worship idols. And what would they do? They'd go worship idols. God would say, "Don't, don't live like all the people around you are living. Live like I asked you to live. And they'd keep living the wrong way. And eventually... They, got so, they, they, they wanted to focus so strongly on following God that they stopped following God and started following the law. And that's where we find ourselves at this point. Paul's writing to a bunch of Jews. And he says, you think you're so good because you got the law. And you can walk around and you can recite what God has said. And you can say the Ten Commandments. But the very thing you're saying that other people shouldn't do, you're doing it. You're messing up. What's what you, what you stand up front and say, man, I don't sin, I don't worship idols, I don't do this, I don't do that. You're doing it in different ways. You're doing it behind the scenes. For us, we, we could stand up front and say, I don't even let my kids watch R-rated movies. I'm such a good parent. And then you're binging on porn behind the scenes. You, you'll, you'll sign something, you'll sign a petition saying, politicians and corporations need to tell the truth. And then you'll go and you'll, you'll lie about something to help yourself. You'll say, we need to be tough on crime. We need to make sure we get criminals off the street. And then you'll hate your brother or your sister in your heart, which Jesus said is the same as murder. You'll say something. You'll stand up for something. You'll say, this is right. We have to do this. And then you won't do it. You'll, you'll tell a younger person, you just need to learn to forgive. And then you'll be carrying around unforgiveness for years in your heart. And the very thing that you say and that you know you should do or you know you shouldn't do, you do that very same thing. And and the Bible is clear on this. In this passage we read today, that's a dangerous thing. So I, I want you to know what we're talking about today. Unless you come to grips with the reality of sin in your life, you will never experience the life God has for you. Unless you come to grips with the reality of your own brokenness, you can never experience God's love like he wants you to experience his love. We've got to understand a couple things about sin. Here's the first one. This is the hardest one for us to come to grips with, but it's the most important. Sin is not just what you do. Sin actually comes from who you are. And this is hard because this means we can't just look and say, oh, I did something bad on the side, but that was then. I'm actually a great person. No, no, no. We are twisted. We're broken. Our lives are chaotic. We're sinful. And so when we do something sinful, that's not just something we do. It actually comes from who we are. In chapter 1 of Romans, you can go back and, and read it later this week, Romans 1, 18 through 132, it says that our hearts are depraved, filled with everything that is opposed to God. It says that our minds are darkened. We can't even know the truth fully because of sin. Sin is not just something we do. It's our hearts. It's our minds. It's our actions. Sin permeates so much of our lives. And that's the first thing you got to understand is that sin is not just what you do. It comes from who you are. But often we look at the, the symptoms. We say, oh, that sin is just a symptom. It's just a, it's something that's not a big deal. But with every symptom in your life, if you're sick, there's a deeper problem, right? There's something deeper going on. So I read a story not too long ago, mind-blowing story to me. There was a guy, he was a construction worker, and he had a toothache. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a toothache. When you've got a toothache, you think it's the worst thing in the world. Like, I cannot, when I had a toothache, I had to get a root canal on, on one of my molars way back when I was in high school. And I thought that just, like, that was my life for about a week. I couldn't think of anything else. Just a constant pain. I was chugging ibuprofen. I and mean, I was like, Advil, I was just like, come on, more Advil, bring it on, like, extra strength every 30 minutes. Give me another one. Bad news, don't do that. But it just was so painful. And so this guy has a toothache, and it just hurts so bad. He goes in and gets the x-ray done. And they come back, and what they told his wife, I'm going to give you the clickbait title, what they told his wife there was a the problem, she wouldn't even believe them. The problem was a four-inch nail stuck up in the roof of his mouth into his head. And they did the x-ray, and they get the x-ray back, and I've seen the x-ray. It's a nail stuck up in his skull. And you're like, how does that even happen? And first of all, okay, I'm just going to tell you this. If a nail, a four-inch nail goes into my body, no matter where it goes, I'm going to know something's gone into my body. Like, I'm going to be able to tell something happened. This dude had no idea. It was, a, it was a construction project he was working on, and I guess something misfired and happened, and suddenly it was over, and he didn't know what happened. But he had a four-inch nail in his skull. For us with sin, often we see this symptom. We think, oh, I lost my temper with my friend, with my spouse again. Oh, you know, I just, I just lied again. But that's just, that's just something I did. It's not No, no, that's connected back to the four-inch nail in your head. It's connected back to the part of you that is broken, deeper down inside, not just what you do, the part of you that's deeper down inside and broken. That's the first thing we got to understand about sin. Here's the second thing. Sin is fundamentally breaking a relationship. Sin is not a thing. Sin is not like, if you guys have seen venom. Sin is not venom out there that comes and like grabs hold of your body and transforms you into something else. Sin is when we break our relationship with God. Whenever you, you have a significant relationship, what you do in that relationship matters a lot more than what you do in other relationships. So anybody here have a dog? I know a bunch of people do. Dog lovers in the house today. Yes. Cat lovers in the house today, real fast. More cat lovers than dog lovers. This is a dangerous church to be in. If you are here today, just know you are surrounded by weird people. <laughs> I understand dog lovers, don't understand cat lovers, but God bless you anyway. So, so dog lovers, sometimes your good boy will do bad boy things, right? He will, he will do something, she will do something, shouldn't have done, and you just want to yell at your dog a little bit. I don't know if that's sin or not, probably not. It's a dog, I don't care, but if you yell at your dog a little bit. But let's say you, you say something like, you filthy dog, I hate you, to your dog. Not that big of a deal because it probably is filthy because you haven't made it for a while. And you might hate it, that's okay. Now imagine if you're driving down the interstate and you look over and see someone on their phone. Now you were just on your phone five minutes ago, driving, but but you're not now, so you're gonna get mad at them, and because they're kind of veering a little bit, and you say at them, they can't hear you, but you yell at them anyway. You filthy dog, I hate you. All right, and so that's that's like you're a jerk for saying that. You probably shouldn't have said that about someone else. That's that's really mean and wrong. But imagine you're hanging out with your friend, and your friend takes the last piece of pizza or does something they shouldn't have done, and you say to your friend, "You filthy dog." I hate you. Now, who talks like that, first of all? That's really weird if you say that. That's a really strange thing. But, but you probably, if you actually meant it, you probably cause some harm in that relationship. Why? Because your relationship there is closer. You're closer to them, and they matter more. Imagine, I don't know how your relationship is with your mom, but imagine with your mom, especially if you have a good relationship with her, your mom does something you don't like, yelling at her, you filthy dog, I hate you. Well, you better watch, it doesn't matter how old you are, she's still probably coming after you with a spoon, no matter how old you are at that point. <laughs> uh, but, but there's something at that level where it's like, I think we all recognize, like, dude, I get it. if you said that to me as your friend, but saying it t- to your mom, like, sh- she's the one who carried you for nine months and gave birth to you. Like, without her, you would not exist. Like, and, and you're yelling, like, there's a closeness in that relationship to where when you say something like that to her, it, it cuts really, really deep. Now, imagine with God. Think about this for a second. It says in the Bible that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God actually knit you together in your mother's womb. God did, and he made you. He actually knows everything that will happen in your life before anything came to be because it's written in his book. Psalm 139 tells us all of that. God has created you. He's breathed his life into you and given you existence. And when we sin... We are looking at God. We are staring him in the face. We're flipping him off and we're saying, God, forget about you. Forget about you. We're saying whatever the spiritual version is, you filthy dog, I hate you, to God. And there's such a depth, even if you don't feel the depth of your relationship with God, your existence is so closely tied to him that when you reject him like that, And you break that relationship. It doesn't just affect your relationship with God. It affects your relationship with everyone else and even with the whole world. Because that is so key. Sin is a breaking of your relationship with God. And it hurts us. When we break our relationship with our creator, our whole lives become entangled in brokenness and pain. So the first thing you got to understand about sin is sin isn't just something you do. It actually comes from who you are. The second thing about sin is sin is the breaking of your relationship with God. The final thing is this. Sin earns God's judgment. Now this verse talked a lot about judgment. We don't talk a lot about God's judgment, do we? We talk a lot about God's love, his grace, his mercy. But God's judgment is a very real thing. I don't know if you've ever felt like God was punishing you in your life. Let me tell you, you have not experienced God's punishment. If you have experienced what you feel like is God doing something and it feels negative in your life, that is actually God's kindness, this passage says, that leads us to repentance. God's trying to get you to change what you're doing and come back to him. But when you experience God's punishment, and we we won't fully experience this until the end of time, when his judgment comes on all those who are separated from him, it will be horrible. But it's not that God's being mean. It's that we have earned it. We've asked for it. We know exactly what God has told us to do, and we're going to do the opposite. We know that God has said, don't do this, and we're going to do it anyway. We have set ourselves up opposed to God. It's kind of like this. I used to, I listened to cassette tapes. Anybody with me on cassette tapes? The Lord blessed us with cassette tapes, and we've given them up. What have we done? Cassette tapes are beautiful. I used to listen to this show. I'm actually really curious to know how many of you know this show. It's a show... It'll definitely date you uh, as a person and definitely say what kind of family you grew up in. It was a show called Adventures in Odyssey. Come on, raise those hands. Raise them high. Uh, I like it. Now, if you're surrounded, if someone raised their hand, you know you're by a good person. Adventures in Odyssey was this Christian radio show. It was just so great. I can't even describe it. I couldn't take the time to describe the beauty and the depth of this show. But a Christian kids radio show, a bunch of us weirdos grew up. It's like VeggieTales, but better and on the radio. My grandmother is better than VeggieTales, so much better. My grandmother used to record these on the radio on cassette tapes, and every three or four weeks, we'd get another cassette tape from my grandmother, and we'd listen to them. So one night, five-year-old Elijah is with my sister, who's two years younger, three-year-old Hannah, and we're listening to that as we're going to bed. Bedtime was at 8.30, so this is probably like 8.45. And we're listening to one episode of Adventures in Odyssey before we go to sleep. And as we're listening to it, something happens. Did you guys ever have one of those cassette players, those kids' cassette players with the microphone attached to it? That's Fisher Price or something? That was the good days right there. And so there's like four buttons on there. You can't screw it up. Start, stop, uh, fast forward, rewind, record. And five-year-old Elijah knew that you're supposed to hit start and stop, and that was it. But something messed up, and I started punching buttons, and pretty soon it wasn't working, and I get really freaked out as a five-year-old. Did I, did I mess up that what happened? And so I'm there with my sister. What I had done is I had pushed record on it. So I was recording over everything else, which is not a big deal now. But as a kid, I didn't know what had happened. And so you hear my voice, though five year old Elijah's voice, because we, we listened to all this later. And I say to my sister, Hannah, I'm very serious because the, the tape player's not working. Hannah, don't make one peep. I'm going to get mom. <laughs> and then you hear the little pitter patter of my feet, like, it's like, 15 seconds of silence, and then you hear, peep. My sister had said, peep. She just wanted to see. I said, don't make one peep, and my sister thought, well, what happens if I make a peep? And she says, peep, and that's all, and nothing happens. And then I come back, and hear my mom coming back, but Hannah just had to know. I can't make a single peep. It must be worth making a peep then. And she makes one peep. You know how often in our lives we are Hannah in that situation? God says, come on, come on, don't lie. And we say, okay, God, peep. <laughs> God says, hey, don't, don't hate people. We're like, God, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. Beep. Yeah, we just, we do it. And pretty soon our lives are peep, beep, 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 beep. And we think it's so funny and it's so cute. And we're rebelling against God. Every time we're earning his punishment. We're saying, God, I forget about you. I'm going my own way. I don't care what you want. I'm going to do what I want to do because I want to do it and forget about you. When we do that, we earn his judgment. A theologian named A.W. Tozer said this. I think it's a brilliant thing he said. He said, we tend by a secret law of our soul to go towards our mental image of God. Think about that. What we think God is, who we think God is, ends up being what we become like. For a lot of us, we think God is love and kindness and gentleness, and he is. But we don't realize he's also a God who cannot stand people rebelling against what is right because he knows we're harming ourselves and other people. And when we separate ourselves from him, we earn his judgment in our lives. And it says in this passage, God's kindness should lead us to repentance, not towards doing more of the same thing. So sin isn't just something you do, it comes from who you are. Sin is a break in your relationship with God, and sin earns God's judgment. And often the very things we condemn in people around us are the things that have a hold in our lives. This is a pretty downer of a message, right? Like, you didn't come to church to get beat up with a sin stick, did you? Well, I had my sin stick in my hand, I was beating you for a little while. Here's the reality, though. Sin is so serious, but God's grace is even greater than sin. The the brokenness of your life is only matched by the power of God's love. The brokenness of what you do and the brokenness of who you are can only be overcome by something beyond yourself. You cannot work your way out of it. You cannot figure out a path from it. There are not multiple paths out of our brokenness. We're all stuck in it until God became man. His name was Jesus. And here's the beauty. He entered into our brokenness. Now, Jesus, here's the difference between us and Jesus He was perfect. He was without sin. So he didn't commit a sin, but he also didn't have a a twisted nature, a broken nature like we do where we sin out of it. He was perfect. And so he was actually the only person to ever exist who did not earn God's condemnation. But he willingly went and gave his life for all of us. It says in the Bible that he was a sacrifice for us on our behalf because he was the only perfect sacrifice. This is the reality You and I are lost in our brokenness and our sin until we repent of it. That means turn away from it. All repent means is just to turn away from our way and turn back to God's way. We are stuck in our sin until we turn from our way and turn back to God's way and trust in Jesus. Rely on him. Put our faith in him. And I don't know where you're at as far as your life right now. I don't know if there's a sin you're wrestling with, something that maybe no one else knows. It says in the passage we just read that God's judgment is based on truth. Now get this. There can be things you do that no one else knows. But God bases his judgment not on your Instagram persona, who you put out on Instagram or who you put out on Snapchat is who you are. God bases his judgment on who you really are, not even on the outside but at the core in your heart. And so if you're here today, I want you to hear this. If you are a Christian here today, and you are living with unrepented sin in your life, you will not escape God's judgment. God is speaking here, through Paul, to Jews who knew God. They knew the Bible. They followed the law. They followed some of the external things, but in their hearts, they were broken. They hadn't repented of the deeper sin. And so if you are here today, look, Jesus has saved you from your sins, but you've got to repent every time you have sin in your life. Repentance is not a one-time thing and salvation is not a one-time prayer. It's a daily, ongoing thing where you turn from your own way and turn to God's way every day. And so if you're here today, even if you've prayed a prayer and you sought forgiveness from God for your sins and you've believed in Jesus but you still have unrepented sin in your life, this is a very serious thing and we've got to repent. There's a story I heard from a pastor named Steve Brown. Powerful story, so it stuck in my mind. Steve said he was counseling a lady. She had been married for more than 20 years. But at the beginning of her marriage, she had had an affair. She had kept it secret for 20 years. Now, can you imagine the pain and the guilt of that? Her marriage was really solid now. She didn't want to mess it up. But she had this unconfessed sin from two decades ago in her life. And as, as Steve, this pastor's talking with her, he says, Look, you need to confess that. You need to talk with your husband about this. And she says, I'm going to do it, but I may not be married next time I see you. I mean, he may just reject me. And Steve said, he, he really questioned, did he give her the right advice? Did he tell her to do the right things? That's, that's a long way to go back, and that's a lot of 20 years back, and there's a lot that's happened since then. And so he was just on his knees all week praying about it. Next time he sees this lady, he said she looked 15 years younger. She just looked joyful for the first time in a long time. So he said, tell me what happened. She said, I I told him everything and cried a lot, explained 20 years ago how I had sinned against him and against God. And when I got done, I didn't know what his reaction was going to be. But instead of getting angry or getting mad, he looked at me and he said, I've known the whole time. He said, for 20 years I've known. I've just been waiting for you to come to me so I could tell you I love you. I love you. I don't know what kind of man that was. That's that's a pretty incredible person to be able to say that. But for us today, no matter what you've done, no matter what sin you've committed, no matter how deep you are or how hopeless your life seems, how broken it seems, God wants you to come to Him, ask for forgiveness, turn from your sin and back to His way. You know what He's just waiting for? He's just waiting for you to say, I'm sorry and I'm turning so he can tell you, I love you. I love you. And today you have a real opportunity, no matter where you are, to let God speak to you through his word. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. If if there's something particular, a particular area of your life, a particular sin that the Lord's brought to mind, it's because the Holy Spirit is pointing that out in your life. I've learned in my life when the Holy Spirit shows something to me, when he points something out, it's good to pay attention, to listen up. As hard as it is, it's good to pay attention because that's how God's going to bring his life into my life. Let's go ahead and go to prayer right now. If you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus, you really are, you've put your faith in Jesus, but there's still sin present, unrepented sin in your life, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand like we do sometimes. I'm going to ask you to go to God right now. And whatever is coming to mind right now, unrepentant sin, whatever the Holy Spirit's bringing up in your heart, right now, silently, pray that to God. Seek forgiveness. If you were really serious about it, commit your life to turning from your own way, from your own sin, and back to God's way. Right now. God's given you this chance, this opportunity. So I want to pray a blessing over you, even as you're praying in your own heart. I want to pray over you right now. Jesus, for each person who's here who is... Your child or your, your son or your daughter, but who is living in unrepented sin, I pray that you would bring your conviction on them, that they would know what area of their life is falling short of your perfect plan, how they are harming themselves and harming other people, how they need to be open to what you are doing, Lord, how they need to open their lives up and do something a different way. Father, let them be honest with themselves about their own brokenness and then honest with you about it as well. Father, as they do that, let them repent put their faith in you and follow you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength.